Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Cock Blocked by Corona, the podcast. When you're ready to date but have to isolate again. If this is the first time our voices have graced your ear holes, you are going to be mighty confused. You can't just start a book halfway through the story, you silly Billy. Go back to the beginning and enter the danger zone. And we'll see you back here when you have earned your stripes. If you are one of our loyal listeners, welcome back, lovers. Thank you for your commitment to our crazy COVID dating experiments. I'm Hannah Fredrickson, and as always, I am joined by Lauren McKenna. Hello. And Kate Foster. Hi, guys. As we help to navigate the dating world with the added challenge of COVID-19. We are each recording remotely from the safety of our disgustingly familiar four walls in Melbourne as we discuss all things dating and relationships, from tingles to tangles and everything in between, as history dishes out one almighty and seemingly unending cock block. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hello. Hey, we've... Dropped our first episode. We're recording our second one. How are we feeling today? I love podcast day. Podcast (laughs) day is the best. It is high vibes. She's high vibes. She's high vibes. And also too, like, so we dropped yesterday and we're recording today, but like just the feedback and the reaction was so good. It's so nice and exciting. And it's like, just gives us life. It gives us life. It's the best. I have to say today I am feeling a little bit, I can't think of like a better word than homesick for Mm. my life as it was. Like I just have such a craving to sort of sit and have a lunch with you girls and drink a bottle of rosé. But that being said, we just heard, it will obviously have been announced by the time you guys are listening to this episode, but we've just heard that in Melbourne there are some very small freedoms being announced. Isn't that right, gals? Yes, Yes, just on the update, and I mean, Pedestrian TV reported it and so did The Age, so it must be true, but (laughs) Daddy Dan is going to lift some restrictions. So I I believe it's going to be like 10Ks possibly instead of 5Ks, four hours exercise. You're going to be allowed to have a pick and neck with fully vaxxed people. Um, Those are the broad ones. Those are all the ones we care about, picnic with fully vaxxed. Thank you. So the dating options are wide open. Oh, Pack a picnic, enjoy a finger sandwich, a finger bun and a finger bang. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a really lovely time for the exhibitionists out there. I know. They'll just be rolling around on rugs. Now is your time to like start your foray into outdoor sex. It's also a great wondered. Correct. It's also a great motivator to be vaccinated if if you haven't Mm. been already. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are waiting for their appointments too because it's quite backed up. But yeah, Yeah. I think it's uh, two households up to five people for fully vaxxed and two individuals if you're not. Okay. That being said, get vaccinated anyway, obviously, so you can hang out with a bigger group of PayPal. But it does open up more options for cock blocking. It's like a slight slight reduction of cock blocking. So that's good. Katie, finger bangs all around for you. Get ready, guys. <laughs> I've got my picnic rug and my wipes and I'm ready to rock. I'm back <laughs> and ready to get a fatty wax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about, what about vax, wax and done my tax? <laughs> yeah, no, actually, have you? I, I, ha- I haven't finished that yet. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to wax, wax and haven't done my tax. <laughs> But I love that. You can um you can have some small gatherings with the wrong twin. <laughs> oh my god. 
true. Can't oh wait for those God. updates. Look, this week I was needing a mindless TV show to get into. So I said mm-hmm. to Han, look, I just, I can't commit to anything challenging or full on, you know, I can't be fucked to learn heaps of character <laughs> names or focus on complicated subplots. What have you got for me? And Han, what did you have for me? I'm so ashamed. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm so ashamed. No judgment but here. This is a safe place. I'm pretty sure, look, this is probably double shame because I think I came across this because it was in that like recommended for you thing. Well, on my Netflix, which says, which says something about the things I've been watching, but I was like, oh, okay. You, so pretty much you're saying that you need something somewhat shit. You should watch Virgin River. <laughs> Virgin River on Netflix. Han said to me, it's terrible, but I don't know why I've just watched three seasons. <laughs> it's so, oh, yes. You can you can do, watch it while you're doing other things because it mm. requires no thinking. Yes. I feel like that was the same with Sex Life. Did anybody watch Sex Life? No. Nah. No, was that the one with the guy with the massive schlong? That's it, the schlongy dog. Yeah. Oh, God, we went wild for that in our house. It was dog shit, to be honest with you. Like, oh, my God, just terrible. The acting, just everything. But addictive. I couldn't look away. Well, that's it. Like, with Virgin River, is it a quality piece of television? Absolutely not. No. Am I enjoying watching it? Not particularly. But do I recommend you watch it? You bet your ass I do because it's just the best type of show to watch in a pandemic because... Well, okay, this is really hard to describe, but and I'm going to get specific here, but it's the exact mm. feeling of getting picked up from school by your mum from the sick bay in year eight, pulling the doona off your bed, getting into a makeshift bed on the couch, turning on a terrible midday movie on Channel 7 and just living your best life. Mm. <laughs> I know that's a really specific reference, but watch it and tell me I'm wrong. It's the exact kind of like comfort and nostalgia factor we all need to sink into right now. Absolutely. Just don't come at me if you hate it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Look, the other thing that happened was I turned 30. I've entered my new decade Happy birthday. since last of Did you have a great day? I actually had a lovely day. I was really worried I would be existential um, mm. turning 30 in a lockdown, but I was so overwhelmed with lots of love and thoughtfulness from so many people that it actually was impossible to be anything but but happy. So yeah. I think it's good. Look, I'm, I'm an old soul. I feel like I've been 150 since I was about 12. So I'm like, <laughs> I actually think this decade probably suits me quite well. You're settling in. I'm settling in. Look, there's definitely some some pressures and things that are like in the back of my mind, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm just not like, I don't think right now is the time to deal with that. You know what I mean? It's just the time to watch Virgin River. <laughs> Absolutely not. There's enough pressure going on. You don't need to like think about the the bigger picture. Hells no. no. Just get through the day. Well, happy birthday. I'm sure lots of our listeners uh, were counting down the hours for your 30th as well and sending you love. We had a few <laughs> messages and um you know, messages of support, especially considering your bombshell from last week. So everyone is yep. sending you love and we can't wait to see this next incredible decade of Han. Thanks, everyone. I haven't checked um, my wiki feet rating, so uh, <laughs> I'll see whether you guys have pushed it up as I requested, but we'll get we'll get back to you. It better be up there, guys. Look, as the only married person in the, in the cock-blocked fam, um, well, obviously Carl <laughs> as well, but uh, I have a little update from our world um, and it's a mm-hmm. bit of a hilarious one. So we have been taking advantage of little Milo's nap time 
and you know having a little bit of afternoon delight so it's been you know it's all going well look you know we're getting along well in lockdown which is great um but the other day you know we were just kind of banging out a quickie um and something hilarious happened it was we only had a, a small window of time so I was still partially clothed and I was that day wearing a flannel and Carl stopped me and he just said look I'm just I'm gonna have to get you to change it's it's just not working for me. It's just too outback for me. I just, I need you to take that shirt off. I need you to take that shirt off. And look, it was, it was pretty hilarious. And I sort of told the girls and they were in stitches with that one as well. But then we were sort of chatting about it after. And I said, like, you know, was that, was that better? Like taking it off? And he said, yeah, look, if you had have had like a whole look going on, like with pigtails or with boots or something, you know, something else, if it was the whole look, it would have been okay. But just the shirt, you needed to take it off. So I said, look, was it too Outback or was it not Outback enough? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it was not Outback enough is what he's saying. I think you needed to go full theme and maybe this bit can, can become like a little bit of a thing for you. Every day is a new theme. Oh, God. <laughs> As if I was going to do like a full hair change midway through. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Bleep It Out Carl wanted full production values. He wanted <laughs> to come in and you'd be like, where did you come from? Where did you go? <laughs> where did you come from? Oh, my God, that's going on the Spotify playlist. Yes. But look, I am pleased to say that for the most part, we are getting along quite well, but there's just, you know, we've spoken about this before. It's, we get on each other's nerves when you're just with your partner 24 seven, like it just happens. So we do have a new song circulating in our household and usually it is Carl singing it to me, but it goes, you know, it's true. Everything I do currently annoys you. <laughs> and I have to say that the, um, the most recent example of this is the other night we were, I haven't told you girls this, the other night we were enjoying a lovely Indian food meal um, and I look over to Carl and he has one individual grain of rice and he is dipping it into butter chicken sauce and I just look over at him and I just went what the fuck are you doing (laughs) (laughs) Kate's crying oh my god that's fucking ridiculous (laughs) I'm laughing but I can't get the noise out what the hell girl Was he like trying to stretch out the activity? Because this lockdown so boring. He was like, if I do it what grain by grain, I'll be here till 2025. I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. Oh, oh guys. Crikey, that's good. Oh, it's just a, a chip and dip. <laughs> our hearts to hear from you all we read each and every comment story dm and email and we have been overwhelmed with your responses to last week's episode here are a few highlights just listened i love you all so much this will do so much for my mental health at the moment hashtag skin on skin (laughs) nine minutes in and i'm already crying fuck me like crying because it was such an incredible recap of this shit year we've all had my word OMG, thank you for the strong dose of serotonin. You're actually making my week so much easier. The Cock Clock Gals have saved 2021. 
<laughs> if a man is super threatened by a sex toy, doesn't it reveal how much his worth is wrapped up in his sex slash his willy? A relationship is about so much more than your sexual prowess or your dick, mate. Amen. Amen. Preach. <laughs> Best thing to happen all day was listening to this app. Thank you for having such incredible discussions. Your candidness and openness is honestly so admirable. And hopefully if I follow the great advice you provide, I can find a doting husband to bleep out names for me too. <laughs> Bless. Bleep it out, Carl. Thank you. Bless you all. Hi, ladies. Recent but devoted listener here, one who relates to many of Kate's stories on that deeply spiritual level. I've fallen victim to the stand-up, the ghost, stealthing, surreptitious chlamydia transference, and much, much more. (laughs) I, too, have often plunged feet first into a glaringly horrifying situation for the sake of a good story and have cheerfully covered my ears to the sound of clanging alarm bells on countless occasions. As heard in that cartoon famous for its highly pertinent relationship advice, Bojack Horseman, when you look at the world through rose-coloured glasses, a red flag is just a flag. (laughs) My last serious relationship ended around two years ago now, and for a long time I feel like I was looking for him in all the men I met, dated, slept with, whatever. I've woken up next to a one-night stand and practically kicked them out of my bed for having the sheer unadulterated audacity of insisting on not being him. How very dare. Approaching the initial corona lockdown and after some serious healing, I had recently started tentatively dating again, properly dating with the thought of a partner in mind. Enter lockdown. The first one started in March 2020. In January, I had moved into my own one-bedroom flat, so was really totally and utterly on my own for the first time in quite some time. I did a lot of lounge room yoga, cooking, that kind of crying that's actually more guttural screaming while lying on the lounge room floor after said yoga, cleaned the grouting in my shower with a toothbrush, started learning to juggle with limes, and bought a keyboard to brush up on my piano skills. I also started plowing through Hinge. I met a very handsome, slightly younger emergency room doctor. We got to texting every day, We FaceTimed a few times and spent hours planning the first date we would have once restrictions eased. We had similar tastes, political values, senses of humour and lifestyle interests. An ideal match, really. Restrictions eased, but we played it safe for a couple more weeks, considering the nature of his job, then finally arranged to go for a cute walk and a coffee date around the Botanic Gardens. We had been texting daily for a good couple of months at this stage. The big day arrived and it was raining, so not ideal for an afternoon stroll. He was going to a friend's house for dinner in my suburb, so I suggested coming over for a late afternoon wine beforehand. With the time limit in lieu of a public first meeting, an attractive enough prospect for me to agree. He turned up, more handsome than I could have possibly anticipated from his photos, with a box of homemade madeleines, little French cakes he had made and thought I might like. We had a couple of glasses of red on the couch, then got to discussing scars after I asked about one above his right eye. He noted one near my lip, which he inspected very closely before finally kissing me. Wow. We got rather quickly and ferociously down to business on the couch, then the bed, and all the way in between. It was thorough, lengthy, and sweaty. Exactly what the doctor ordered, if you will, after isolating for so long. We cuddled, then he got up, had a shower, gave me a big old smooch goodbye and went on his way. And I never heard from him again. Alas, back to the drawing board. 
I managed to fit in a couple of weeks with a cute tradie who was very sweet, but there wasn't enough chemistry for me, and a Scotsman with far better manners than Kate's Highlander, but still not enough chemistry before lockdown 2.0. But unfortunately, I find myself in no man's land once more. I've given up on the juggling, but there is less guttural screaming to the crying this time. The cooking continues, and I've also bleached the ceiling of my bathroom with a mop. Mercifully, I start socially distanced yoga teacher training in fewer than 24 hours, so this time I have something to occupy my mind, heart, and body until us singles are all released into the wild again. Chookers to us all. Oh, my heart. Oh, that story. Oh. It's actually so beautifully written too. I don't know if you want to try your hand at like writing or something. This listener, it's actually so beautiful. I mean, lovely that he made the Madelines, but then never talk to you again after making the Madelines? A Madeline. <laughs> a Madeline, a Madeline, a Madeline, not the dog ghost. Really though, that's rough. Put in all that effort for that first date and then you're out of there. Why all Oof. the effort? I'm really sorry that I have to do a very irrelevant segue, but it's it's just because we've done that Madeline reference. I just want to say <laughs> how whenever I'm getting a feeling like maybe I'm going to get thrush, I text the girls and I'm like, I'm feeling a bit Mrs. Clavel. Something is not right. <laughs> Something is not right. <laughs> Something is quite wrong. <laughs> I got my Miss mm, Clavel. Anyway, sorry. Get the Caniston duo. Get it. Oh, I really want to know. I want updates from this person. I want to know how things go, whether they meet someone else lovely. I mean, that's great to have a lovely experience. It just sucks when someone ghosts you. Ghosting is, oh, it burns. It really burns. bit like thrush, actually. Burns. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) See, it was leaked after all. (laughs) It was leaked. It was. Yes, hopefully we can get an update. When I was at a really fucked point in my life years and years ago, I did yoga teacher training and honestly, I've always said if I never taught another yoga class, it would still be one of the best, most valuable things I've done for myself. So you go, girl. I hope you enjoy it and I think that'll be fantastic for you. You go, girl. Sound like a catch. And this poor listener had this hinge experience to share with us. Men are notorious for posting photos on dating sites, posing with fish they've caught, dogs, other people's dogs, or other people's children. But I feel like I've now seen it all because this week I matched with a guy whose every photo was of him and his pet wombat. A special (laughs) talent of mine? (laughs) Wombat. Thought I deleted this one. Wombat. I can teach you how to. Wombat. Caught in the act, wombat. Get someone who looks at you like, wombat. Guess how many takes this took? Motherfucking wombat. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, the wombat is adorable, but this is sending a strong message. And I feel like saying to him that you can't have your entire personality be wombat. (laughs) (laughs) We've got all those pictures and bless, we're not going to out that poor guy, but we will will emoji out his his head out his wombat and, and show you his wombat <laughs> we will be getting a cease and desist from the wombat <laughs> i'm intrigued as to what i can teach you how to wombat means i can teach you how to wombat ladies i think it's time time for what <laughs> insert jingle Ooh, Katie, 
It's over to you, my love. You you left it on an almighty cliffhanger last week. Everyone's been holding their breaths. I know, I know, I know. Okay, strap in, peeps, because we are here for part two. Now, I want to preface today by saying that when we started this podcast, I was very open to telling my story and I've always been an open book throughout my life. You guys know that. Construction Cutie met me when I was already recording and he was comfortable with me being really open about our relationship. And since we decided to start recording again, I've spent a lot of time thinking about how I would speak about that relationship and what I would share. I didn't really get a whole lot of sleep last night um, because even though I've committed to being open and honest and candid with you all about this experience, I want to make sure I was being fair. Um, and recount the events as they happen. So not to villainize anyone, but to simply have an open conversation about the intricacies and challenges of relationships. The human experience is far too complicated and delicate to sum up in one podcast. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it would be a mistake to label one person inherently bad and the other good. So I'm recounting this story from my perspective and with many months of hindsight, And I hope what you all take away from it is some kind of, you know, relatability, maybe some humor and any lessons you might find. Okay. Okay. So things slowly began to change between Cece and I. Um, At first there were sort of small cracks and I think we maybe saw some of those last week. Um, And looking back, I can absolutely attribute that to the end of our relationship. All of those little things that started to become more and more pronounced. And so one of the big ones I want to just address is our attachment styles. And I'm only just starting to learn about attachment styles. And if you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about, then get yourself on Google after the EP. Or get yourself in therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone should be in therapy, really. Yeah. Therapy, therapy, my friends. So I am anxious attachment or more so anxious, anxious attachment, and he is dismissive avoidant. Okay, so essentially we literally just repel each other, our attachment styles. Um, And a few months into the relationship, I would say maybe four months from memory into the relationship, we were together maybe all up eight months. So maybe four months into the relationship, I started to feel like a dramatic change in energy and I could feel him pulling away and immediately my anxious attachment began to search for like, what have I done wrong? What has changed? What am I doing? What's happening? So, but the more I reached out or questioned, the more he pulled away. And we just had a constant, you know, this kind of like low lying, constant power struggle over that time that started to become louder and louder. And so me um, not feeling loved enough and him not feeling like he had enough space, it just was triggering each other constantly. So for example, Me offering someone coffee throughout the day is loving and to him it was suffocating. So my love languages are physical touch and words of affirmation. He saw this as needy and lacking in confidence, but I saw his need for space as cold and closed off. So essentially how you can see how both of us were just like back and forth. So we could go into a deep analysis of this, but I know, I know what you all came for and that is the tea, okay? So let's just cut to the highlights. Okay, so look, by the time we came back to Melbourne in November um, when restrictions were eased, 
we were in a vicious cycle of just triggering each other. Um, and I would become petulant and wounded if he rejected my physical touch and affection. And he would become cold and mean if he felt I wasn't listening to him. We were staying at Han's parents' Airbnb at the time and he was working again part-time. Um, we decided that we were going to move into his apartment he already lived in in the new year. So his friend was staying in his room whilst we went to Wagga. We were going to move in back there. We decided not to get a place on our own. So, of course, you may remember that CC um, used to say, he used to joke about that I was an absolute pain in the ass to sleep in back in the day when I just had my double bed and we used to have to take the mattress off the bed and put it on the floor. So fair call, fair call. You just said sleep in, which I love, as if he was just <laughs> sleeping inside you. You're like, I need physical touch and you need to be inside me all night. Stay there. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> why were you a pain to sleep with? I don't remember that. Why were you a pain? I, I think he said that, like, I liked to cuddle up to him in the night and that was annoying to him. Darling, it doesn't matter how big a bed you get, she'll find you. <laughs> I find you. I don't think the size of a bed will change that, but okay. No, I don't know. I do it on my sleep. So anyway. Snuggles. Snugs. So he said we needed a new bed, okay, because he had, he had a queen. I had my double that honestly that also was like, my childhood bed, beautiful, beautiful, that sounded like stunning restoration bed. Stunning restoration. It sounded like a brass marching band if you moved ever so slightly. So that was not practical. So he was adamant that he wanted a king bed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wasn't it a super king? Well, yeah, it's a fucking super king. This is like <laughs> this is the super king debacle. It's enormous. This fucking bed. But he wanted a king. Somehow I accidentally got a super king. And the morning he left for work, he said, we're going to need to buy that bed soon. And because at this point I was still the main breadwinner, so I was buying the bed. And the day I went online, I texted him and I said, listen, I'm about to like press go on the bed because we're going to need it like super soon. Is, are you sure? Like, you know, this is it. We're moving in. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you ready? Have you got anything to say? Do you want me to hold off? He said, absolutely not, babe. Like, go ahead. Like, why would there be anything wrong? Nothing wrong. <laughs> the next day he comes home. So you bought the bed, right? You went and you went and bought it. I bought the bed. I bought the mattress. I bought it all. I went ahead. It's on. It's it's getting delivered. The next day he comes home and he drops a bombshell that he did not want to live with me. Um, which I, I, I did freak out. I did. I freaked out because I was like, oh, 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 everything, this is like embarrassing. And I bought the bed and oh God, like, you know, is this the beginning of the end? Which in hindsight, mm. it was, but I didn't know it then. Can we just pause? Yes. When you were saying, now, are you sure that you're ready? Are you sure this is what you want? I'm yes. pressing go on the bed. Did you, I mean, obviously hindsight is 2020, mm. but at that point, did you know that there was something wrong? Yes. Yeah. And you gave him that out. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. And, you know, we had been at like loggerheads and I had really felt that he was pulling away and I felt that things had changed and I had said that many times and he had just kept saying, you know, well, I'm here, aren't I? Like, no, why are you so insecure? Why are you? Anyway, but, you know, lesson in there, guys. Trust your gut. Trust your goddamn gut. But, of course, you're so far down the road, 
you think it's just COVID pressure. We've been living together 24-7. We can fix this. And that's my toxic trait. We can fix it. We can fix it. So I freaked out. He left. He left. He went somewhere else that night. He went and stayed at friends. He was like, I'm not talking to you. You're freaking out. I won't deal with it. He came back the next day. Meanwhile, just as a side note. Yeah, we've got to do this side note. This is classic. Katie sent us a voice note, distraught, rightly so, that, um, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Bleep it out, butter chick. Bleep it out, single grain of rice. (laughs) Um, uh, She was obviously distressed that Cece had done this full flip and so Lol and I were full action stations and, like, Lol was at Coles. She was buying all these these snacks for Katie we were like I did a full grocery shop we're here we're ready for you like we're ready you know she did a full grocery shop she's like we're ready when you we're here, like here if you need here if you need wing attack like we were we were waiting um anyway then he yes did come back and you guys were having this massive discussion so Lola and I were just like <laughs> checking our phones waiting 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 but in the meantime when he was also away because Katie was staying at my parents Airbnb which is where I now live um my my parents got this message from the neighbour that was like, um, I just wanted to let you know, I'm just hoping that Hannah's okay because there is some very audible <laughs> sobbing going on. She sounds quite distressed. And I'm just, she sounds very distressed and I just didn't know if you wanted to know that. And my mum and dad were like, oh, that's, no, Hannah's at home. That's actually Hannah's been okay. <laughs> And they messaged me to be like, is Kate okay? Like the neighbour said that she's sobbing. I was like, yeah, it's fucked, Cece, fucked it. <laughs> She'll be oh right. And look, that night I have to like bombshell and I actually didn't tell him this, but I did, you know, I talked to you girls and I talked to my parents and at that point my parents said, he's not the man for you. You know, they'd lived with us and they had they had not said anything. They had held their tongues, my mum in particular. And my mum is very... She has got a good gut and she sits back and she watches and she was like, uh, your father knows how I feel. I've been, you know, it's been keeping me up at night. We don't think he's the man for you. But they were very tentative about it because at that point I was like, oh, you know, it's not over. But they said their piece and then the next day he came over and we spent the whole day just back and forth and back and forth and, you know, it was like all the reasons why it wasn't going to work. And he, he did come at me with some things. So he did think you know, the the stinger. I'll forever remember this, the stinger, this stung. He said, you're so um, attention starved, it's disgusting. Uh, so, you know, he did have a thing about, he, he, it is, the lesson is all the things that I liked about myself, he seemed to not like. And I think that was really confronting. And you're going to have that in life. So, look, there were some things that came out, but we reconciled. We did because, you know, obviously he he had he had criticisms too and if he was sitting here, he would absolutely say, you don't give me enough space and you don't listen and I tell you and I, and I think at the end of the day we were just so different at loggerheads. But anyway, we got through that. We went home for Christmas. Uh, Lolly, you got to meet him. We shouldn't skip that. You got to meet him. I did. I did. I mean, it was a challenging day because he wasn't feeling particularly well. Mm. We had an event at Han's house. Uh, It was a big barbecue gathering of lots of mates and it was such a great chance to see everyone because obviously 2020 was absolutely fucked and it had been 
especially for me who um, was bunkered down for so much of 2020 being pregnant and asthmatic, et cetera. It was sort of like, you know, a really great social event. And I was so excited to meet him. Initially, he wasn't there. So Katie shows up at this event by herself. And I just, I felt really heartbroken for you because that was sort of the event of the season. And it was, um, you know, this, this big social opportunity to, um, to meet him and to be a couple and you showed up and you looked so beautiful that day. Um, but I, I knew that something wasn't quite right. You were quite, mm. um, you weren't yourself and it was a bit of a, a blow for you. I think not being able to show off that you're in this relationship, etc. Exactly. He mm. did end up showing up but he punished you for it. In my eyes, obviously this is only from my perspective, in my eyes it was as if he was having these little digs at you and punishing you for the fact that he had showed up. So he was like, well, I'm here, aren't I? That was sort of the energy. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a really tough one, I think, when things just aren't quite right and you want to be able to put on this this happy face and put on this show for everyone. But, um, yeah, he certainly didn't make the best impression on me but we were obviously seeing you through the the relationship and it, at that point it wasn't over for you and, you know, you've got to just trust your gut and go with, you know, explore what you need to explore until it's really, really well and truly over. So that was sort of from my perspective. I think there was one incident where you were like, let's get a photo together and he was like, I told you I didn't want a photo. And yeah. it was just the way that it came across, especially in a social occasion with a lot of your friends watching, um, that really stuck out to me. Yeah, we were definitely at, at loggerheads at this point and that day was a, yeah. And because, you know, honestly, I, I'm trying to think from his perspective as well what he would say and, yes, I did. I texted him and I was like, we've known about this for ages. And he dropped out last minute, I should say. It wasn't like... He was fit. We hadn't spoken about it. He just, he'd gone to help um, his old housemate move out. And then he just texts me and he's like, yeah, no, don't think I'm going to make it. And I'm like, we've had this planned for like weeks and weeks. I think the day before you had helped out with the move as well. Um, And obviously there's so many compromises that happen in relationships, but yeah, I I was really, I was sad for you because I think it really meant a lot to you to have him there. It did that day. I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> it was, do you know what? It was harking back to, I think for me, the New York narcissist in terms of him not showing. And that was an anxiety for me as well. I'm like, huh, you're not showing up. You're starting to not. And it was very different in the beginning of the relationship because he did show up for everything. And so things had changed dramatically and people around were noticing it. Mm. So, but we got through that and that is yeah. fine. And he came and I was appreciative of that, even though I was in a shitty mood about it, but I was appreciative that he came. And then we went back to Wagga for Christmas. And look, already, you know, I went back early and I had said to him, you've spent a lot of time with my family. Do you want to have Christmas with your family? You know, we had had his sister and her kids over for a Christmas dinner, which he hadn't organized I was like are you gonna see your family like what invite them over and I'll cook dinner and he just was so not like proactive or enthused so I was kind of like okay you're saying you need space for me but you're here with me in this Airbnb that I've paid for you don't like you could go you have a house to go to but you're here so I got to be thankful for that because you're here so that means something 
he eventually did come back to Wagga, not without sort of like dropping off for a few days. And granted, it's a fine line when you're in a relationship between, yes, we see each other all the time. So look, you don't have to be calling me or texting me all the time. But I think I just was like, I wouldn't mind like one text just to say, hey, or just to check in at night. That would be my expectation. And that was not his. So there was some conflict there. Mm. What's tricky about that, even just me listening completely, you know, sitting on the outside and hearing you the last two weeks is that in last week's episode, you were saying he was calling you five times a day. And now you're saying, oh, it would be nice to receive one message. So I think when there's that disparity between what was sort of set up as an expectation Mm -hmm. and then there's a shift in that, especially with somebody who might have some underlying anxious attachment tendencies, I think that's hard for anybody because what you've established as the way that you communicate in your relationship and then what comes to pass makes somebody question that. You can't not wonder why it's a different thing. And, of course, it's different in the beginning to what it ends up being, but that's quite polarising. And quite polarising in a matter of months you know it's not like we're years into a marriage and it's like oh for god's sakes it's months so my gut was telling me Hmm. you know and and I it was almost like having an out-of-body experience and I wasn't going to therapy at this point and I was I wasn't going to therapy because I knew what she was gonna say and I did (laughs) I knew what she was gonna say you were hiding and I needed to work it out for myself, but it was, I was starting to really resent myself. I was resenting him Mm. and I was resenting myself. Um, But we went home for Christmas and Christmas was difficult. Christmas was difficult. It was just, he was there, but it felt like he resented being there. And look, without going into it all, it accumulated in the night before New Year's. I caught him out. I saw a text message to his housemate who is an older woman and it was like, I just like can't stand going to Wagga again, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, my darling. Like, And he says that I read it out of context, which maybe I did, but at the same time the messaging, I'm like, if you don't want to be here, why are you here? Yeah. No one's holding you hostage. And also I'm not, and you know, who are you making me out to be? Like it's, you know, she said, oh, my darling, will it cause World War Three? That's what it was. And I'm like, well, <laughs> fuck man. Like, and at this point I was starting to get that paranoia. Mm. That's another, that's another thing that I in myself need to be very aware of. If you're starting to feel that paranoia of like, who's he texting? What's he saying? What's going on? It's likely that something is going on. So from there, we just had an almighty freaking fight and my parents had already indicated that they weren't pleased with the behaviour and the friends that were with us had indicated that they weren't pleased with the behaviour. My sister had indicated every and so my feelings were being validated because beforehand, before anybody had said that, I really get into the mindset of, well, fuck, maybe it's my fault. Am I the shit person? I'm doing things too. And I am Mm. likely also doing things to push his buttons and trigger him. But, you know, it kind of gets validated that something is wrong, no matter whose fault it is, something is fundamentally wrong. 
So we had an almighty fight. And then the next morning I come out with the dark glasses. And God, we laugh about this because, God, I love my mum for this. I come out with the dark glasses. I've been crying. <laughs> you know, he's threatening to leave. He's packed his bags. He didn't leave, but he's packed his bags. Um, and mum just is like, what's wrong? And I'm like, you don't want to talk about it. It's fine. It's fine. And she just leans over the kitchen counter and she just goes, go back to Melbourne and live your life. <laughs> I went outside and he comes and I asked him for a hug and I could just see her in like the kitchen window as I'm hugging him just over his shoulder. Her just like shaking her head. She's just, she's like, no, she's not. She's like, nah, nah. Anyway, we ended up having to make a run for it because of course, Daddy Dan closed them borders down. So we didn't get news there. We made a run for it. We were on the run back to Melbourne. So the fight sort of like was pushed aside and we got back to Melbourne. <laughs> we had another fight and then we got over it. And then just some hilarious shit happened. So like we laugh about this one, the period resilience. Things like I can't. Things like <laughs> I can't. He would often say that he thought that I, you know, shied away from challenging myself or shied away from hard things and I often skipped my period this is a whole other thing to go into I often skip my period when I was on the pill um because I have a real hang-up about having my period when I'm in a relationship it's weird and we're going to talk about this later I feel but he said to me you know it's just my opinion he said but I think like the fact that you skipped your your you know skipping your period um, shows that you have like an aversion to like hard things and, you know, wouldn't you want to have it because like that would build resilience. This is making my period blood boil. (laughs) I, oh my God, I have like so much stress in my body right now. I just am like, I actually cannot deal with this comment I can't I couldn't I we do laugh about it now because it's so absurd it's very funny it is so absurd that someone who doesn't even experience having a period would try to advise you that you need to have it (laughs) to build I just stay out of my uterus please and I mean this is the thing but he would always preface that with like it's just my opinion and I'm like yeah, I know it's just your opinion. I can't, I, I just, I'm yeah. sorry. That one's ridiculous. Meanwhile, Kate's resilience is very well developed. Uh, you've been through a lot and it's just a judgment that we do not appreciate. Thank you. Construction, not so cutie. And that's the thing. It was things like that. I love that. Construction, not so cutie. <laughs> well, I could, I could make another nickname, but it would... Uh, involve putting an N in cutie and I don't think (laughs) I want to go there. (laughs) Oh, God, I love it. Oh, dear. (sighs) That one kills me. We're far enough away from it to laugh. I'm sure there's people whose blood is boiling listening to this for the first time. And, you know, maybe he thought he was helping. I don't know. It's hilarious. But it's comments like that. So then another funny, a good funny. This was great actually. And I actually laughed about this on the day almost after it was happening. And this is, I don't know if it's a toxic trait of mine, but it's something that really was grinding his gears. I often will have a conflict and then deflect with humour and will often find the funny side of it not long after the said conflict. So we went for a 
we went for it's so silly we went for a swim one day <laughs> at the pool <laughs> at the indoor pool swim and sauna <laughs> anyway I wasn't planning to do laps but we're sitting in the sauna and we, we get to chatting and he, I made a comment. I was like, oh, you know, it's not that hot in here. And he's like, oh, yeah, what you did like, what says the girl who did like four laps? I said, I did more than four laps. And he's like, well, how many did you do? And I was like, I don't know. I wasn't counting. I was like, maybe 20. And he's like, oh, that's bullshit. He's like, you're so full of shit. You know, this was the other thing. He thought I was full of shit. You're so full of shit. You know, you couldn't do that in that time that you were there, which was like maybe like 15, no, half an hour. It was enough time to do 20 laps. Anyway, I hadn't counted. And he's like, well, how many did you think you do? And I said, I don't, I honestly don't know. Anyway, we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until finally. Pick, 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 pick. You're picking at each other. Pick. And I was like, I was like, I'm going to go and do those fucking 20 laps. So anyway, in my G-string bikini, which is all I had, I went and I was <laughs> smashing the laps, smashed the laps. And I came back. And at this point, he was freaking furious with me. And I came back and I said, I did my 20 laps. And he just (laughs) (laughs) and I thought he would laugh about it, but he was not laughing. Anyway, he gave me the keys because I had to go and meet um, Han and our friend Lance for a movie. And so I was like, I've got to go. And he just, without saying anything, gave me the keys and I walked home in the rain and I got changed and I turned up to them. Were you wearing a G-string bikini in the rain? (laughs) No, I got changed, thank God. (laughs) But because I'd swum... Well, at this point, maybe 40 laps. Who knows? Um, (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. Without goggles, my eyes, I turned up to the restaurant and my eyes (laughs) were like, I could barely. Salt water was in my eyes. I was almost blind. I could barely see. She looked like she had the most severe case of pink eye and conjunctivitis combined. Like her eyes were so swollen. And Lance and I were like, what the fuck? What have you come as? What's happened? Oh, my God. And Lance, Lance, bless her, at this point, you know, she's so funny because she's so delicate. Like she's so lovely and delicate about everything she says. She goes, Katie, I'm so sorry. She goes, because we sat back with but we didn't say anything. (laughs) Kate, Kate, we sat back with New York narcissist and we didn't say anything. She goes, I'm just going to say it now. Why the hell are you with this guy? And I was like, oh, Lance. Shout out to Lance. Yeah, Lance. She said, what the hell are you doing? Shout out to Lance. Anyway, and I had said to you girls, look, I'm going to give it until we're not going to live together. I think that's, I'd really gotten that bandwagon then. I was like, I think that's going to be good for us. You know, we're not going to live together. Um, the pressure's going to be off. I'm going to give it until February just to see if things change because there's a whole lot of other things at play and maybe that will change. And give yourself a chance to actually date without the pandemic pressure as well. Oh, we'd get the sexy time back. Date nights, etc. Date nights. <laughs> anyway, so we come back to Melbourne. We've made a run for the border. <laughs> uh, my eyes, you know, eventually did recover and <laughs> yeah, I could, she couldn't I was, enjoy the movie yeah, that night though because she couldn't see. see. I, I was so blurry. Was Wasted so, that money, didn't you? It was just constant. You know when you just have in, involuntary tears running down your cheeks at all times. God, Katie. Uh, look, we had another incident. Oh, 
I mean, at this point too, there had really been a lot of like back and forth about our, our, our sex drives and, you know, like this is the thing. Everybody is different and that is totally okay. I think we'd lost that intimacy and that connection. Another red flag. But I did come up one day because we had the house to ourselves and I was like coming up in nudie after a shower and I'd put a face on and I was like, hello. And he just, without looking up from his phone, he just said, he said, no, not interested. And (laughs) I was like, okay, what about like if I just, you know, drop my towel and do a little bend and stab. And he said, seriously, Kate, if you don't fuck off, I'm going to get so angry. And so I just kind of like backed away. But that, (laughs) ouch, that on one hand, it is never okay to pressure someone. And yes, I'm totally guilty of being like, oh, come on. Like when you have sex with me and that is something that is not okay because if it was the other way around, fuck, we would absolutely roast a man for trying to pressure a woman into having sex. But at the same time, there was a lot of language around that. It was just harsh and we'd gotten to the point where I had to ask permission to like initiate physical contact. It's hard because I think in a lot of relationships there is a, um, you know, a different level of Mm. sexual, um, you know, needs and wants and and sex drive and things like that but it's just all about communication it is and kind communication I think absolutely um so look it's so funny because we actually had one great night and it's something that you know I was laughing with him the other night because I said I used to actually initiate physical contact because I so need my physical contact in a relationship by offering him massages all the time. So I'd just be like, want a massage tonight? And he'd be like, yeah, sure. And I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) massaging away, being like, oh, God, I'm getting my physical contact that I need. Um, And we had this night of massages and like foot massages and, you know, no, Kate, tell me what he said to you when you were doing the foot massage. He would always say, he was like, you're shit at massaging. Oh. I'd be massaging, he'd be like, God, you're shit at that. He'd be like, can you just like go this way? He's like, what are you doing? On- <laughs> so I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway. I was going to say, yeah, did he return the favour with the massage? He would sometimes, but it was more about like I didn't really care about getting a massage. I just wanted to massage him because I just wanted to like just wanted to touch and be like, oh, my beautiful man. I, you know, I would say that to him, which I also think the more I said it, the more he hated it. I'd be like, God, you're my, my, my big beautiful man. <laughs> you're laughing. you crying. Oh, Kate. Kate. Uh... But it's so funny how attached myself was because I think the more I did that, the more his dis, like, dismissive avoidant mm. was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm. So anyway, we had this lovely night, went to sleep, and I was like, oh, I think we've turned a corner. And he wakes me up at 6 o'clock in the morning. He was just read, Kate, wake up. And I'm like, oh. And he said, "I, you know, in, in short, he said, I don't love you. Um, I'm not attracted to you anymore and I don't see a future and then he was like and I've, I've promised the boys I'm going to go for a swim and sauna with them so I gotta go <laughs> anyway I rang lol 
left. He, he left. left and went for a swim and sauna. Um, to which I did text him and I was like, what the fuck? When I came to, I was like, come back. We need to have a discussion about this. I rang girls. Lol immediately was like, our house is free. Get over there. Um, so I started packing my shit and he came back. I look, mm. I cried. And to be fair, he, in breaking up with me that day, he was the kindest and sweetest to me that he had been in such a long time breaking up with me. Like he'd said the nicest things to me that day and I was like, why couldn't you have said this when we were together? But obviously he felt the freedom to say it because he had pulled that Band-Aid off. And everything, you know, as upset as I was, mm. and I was upset for a long time, even though deep down I knew it was the right thing and I I tell you what, you know, I, my toxic trait is bottling it up and then once the breakup is done, then I let loose via text message. I'm like, you're a motherfucking and you did this and you did this and it hurt me when you did this. So, look, I, I did rip him a new one. Um, and then also I just, you know, cried hysterically into my dinner many nights and... Oh, it, it's, I was thinking about it this morning. I'm like, it's, romance is so cruel in that somebody can absolutely like drive a blunt knife into your heart and soul and you can still yearn for them and miss them so much at the same time. It's, it's so cruel mm. and unusual. Um, but. Do you think as well that like mm. a lot of the grief from New York narcissist oh, yeah. surfaced then as well because it's yeah. like, you know, you get into a relationship and no one gets into a relationship thinking that it's going to end in no. eight No. And so all of that promise and all of that hope, um, yeah, I definitely can relate to that. All it, of sort it. Of, all of the grief comes back. All of it. And I really think that I think he was right in saying that I hadn't processed that. And I think he was right in saying to me, you know, at one point he said, I think you know this is not right. And he said, I think you have a tendency to stay in things even though you know you're not right because you're so afraid of failing and you're so afraid of not being able to fix it. And I'm like, yes, truth, truth, you were right. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of that came out. Mm. And um, to lift the spirits, we've got some more funny stories. <laughs> so after that, <laughs> you know, he did try and be nice and, he would send me nice things and one day, and he was going through his own mental health journey as I was, and one day he messaged me and he said, can I have the um, contact details for your therapist? Because I had obviously talked so much about my therapist who I love, 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 and I was going back to her. Um, and at first, my first initial reaction, I have to admit, is I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, yes, like everybody should see a therapist and my therapist is amazing and, you know, like how can I help you? How are you? Are you okay? And then sort of immediately afterwards I was like, oh, no, nah, that's not. She's going to. That ain't right. That ain't right because I know she does not like to have conflict of interest and also, yeah, like that's my time. Not even just her, just. Yeah. Just generally, it it's not. Work. It doesn't. It doesn't work. And also, like uh, for a therapist, they just won't do it. I know she's not going to like it, and I'm going to have to. T- I don't want to be paying a hundred and something dollars for a therapy session only to be lying to my therapist about the fact that my ex boyfriend's also seeing her. Like that's. It's that's just, not fair. It feels counterintuitive. So I messaged him and I said, "Okay, look, I've been thinking about it, and I actually feel really uncomfortable if." you see my therapist. And one of his big criticisms of me in our relationship was that I did not set my boundaries. 
and I did not stick by my boundaries and that allowed me to be, um, you know, taken advantage of. And he actually said that in the end of our relationship. He was like, maybe if you'd stuck to your boundaries more, like this would have been different. So I was like, well, you want boundaries? Here's my boundaries. Please don't see my therapist. And his reaction was, she's a professional, Kate. I'm sure she can handle it. And I said, well, you know, she's going to know who you are. And like he said, well, I'm not going there to talk about you. I'm going there to talk about other stuff. So like, I don't know why you're so worried. But you're there talking about him. And that's the thing. I said, I want to talk about you. But also too, at this point, it had become a bigger issue than that. I was like, I said no. It was more that I was like, I've said no, yeah. please don't do it. Good point. And you've said to me that I'm not good with my boundaries. And here I am, I'm putting my boundaries down. Like I've said no. Anyway, he was like, basically get over it. Like she's a professional and she can make up her own mind. Get over it. And I cracked it then and I was like, don't fucking go to my therapist, to which he then blocked me. Because it's not safe for you as well emotionally. Yeah, it's so funny. Not no, fair. Not fair. And he eventually unblocked me and I said, just please don't go to her. That's just the one thing I'm asking. Anyway, I found out that he did go to my therapist. He didn't tell me. I found out because he was following her art page on Instagram and I was like, hmm, how would he know that she does art if he hadn't gone to her? Mm. And so I did message him and I said, did you go to my therapist? And he was like, yeah, I did. There was no apology. He was like, yeah, I did. Um, She figured it out in like the first 20 minutes and said, you know, it wasn't above board. And then I had an appointment with her to which we addressed the elephant in the room and we had a very long conversation about it, which was actually interesting because she obviously got a little bit of insight. She said, I did figure it out and I had to say to him, this is like morally wrong. But it did mean she had a little bit of insight and although she's super professional, she was able to be like, look, yeah, from what you've told me and from what I've got, Kate, like this is potentially why somebody would do that and this is potentially why somebody would do these things in a relationship. So, yeah, it was insightful, but at the same time I was like, why would you do that, doll? Why? I love that she worked it out, how awkward having a therapist be like. Yeah, you you need need to to leave. leave. So, So. which is weird to me because I (laughs) wouldn't even turn up to the cafe near his house. You know, I just don't know why you would want to do that, but... Obviously, he's got his own things to work through. So in the end, look, the way Cece and I have ended up is with our last interaction Mm -hmm. and there were other ones, you know, often he would text me nice things and then I would sort of like be like, oh, my gosh, is, is the door opening? Is this an olive branch? And then he would shut me down like I had a real tragic moment on Valentine's Day when we were in that, you know, February lockdown where he had done a really nice thing for me and I was like oh my gosh and then I was feeling nostalgic and then I was really wondering why it all went to shit and how it all went to shit and I called him and he basically was like why are you ringing me this is not my problem like go away and it just I was like oh but two days ago you were doing really nice lovely things for me so it was a confusing time and it was maybe also confusing for him. And since then, I've got to admit, there have been times where I have reached out to him, you know, like we're so toxic to ourselves, aren't we? Like we're, 
you know someone's hurt you but like sometimes you really crave that attention or you miss someone and you know you shouldn't text but you do and so I've definitely been there over the last you know like eight months or whatever it's been since we broke up um but the last sort of straw was he created a hinge profile and he used pictures and he came up on my hinge and it was just all pictures of every picture I'd taken of him like at home at my house with like my pet goats and on my farm and on the motorbike I was like that's not your life I was like this is yeah I said I said to him you know I did I kind of messaged him I was like good like explaining to you next girlfriend why she's never going to go and ride motorbikes and meet the cute baby goats you know and he said you're absolutely overthinking this and like you need to get over it but to me it felt pointed and whether it was or wasn't it was just like nah he was like get over it I'm gonna go buy a wombat and upgrade six foot (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh I take your goat and I raise you a motherfucking wombat (laughs) so look he blocked he blocked me and that's it that's the end of that story so what did you learn? Get us get us through some lessons here. Yeah. I learned a lot. What I saw were similarities from my last relationship, New York narcissist, and I actually said this to my therapist when I went back to her. I said, "Am I going to keep doing this? Because my heart can't take it. Like my confidence can't take it. I'm doing it to myself. Like what the f is wrong with me?" And she did actually say, which is interesting for any of, you know, I know a lot of people have written in about being in um, abusive relationships and narcissistic relationships. She said, after being in a really deeply abusive relationship, you often jump into one that is maybe not abusive, but that has a lot of toxic traits. Like you're in a really vulnerable place and you're in a place where you're almost still open to that. So she said, I don't think you will keep doing that. And since then, you'll be happy to know that even though I am single, I have had experiences for which I will definitely go into depth about for you guys. But I have had some people who I'm like, who have given me hope again. Um, Yeah, which is really nice because then I I know I'm like, it's no, I'm not going to keep, you know, um, not realizing the red flags and, and things like that. And I really think if somebody is making you feel like you're going crazy, at your core, you're going the things you're saying about me or the narrative that you're telling me is not something that I inherently believe about myself and is not something that has ever been communicated to me by the people that are the nearest and dearest in my life or even past relationships, then Don't listen to somebody that you've known for 2.5 seconds over yourself. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time contorting myself to try and make him happy. And those were things that he also did not like about me. You know, he really disliked the fact that I was so indecisive. And I disliked that about myself. But it got to this point where every decision, you know, it wasn't just like, I want to do this today or I want to eat there. It was like, if I do this, will that make him upset? If I do this, is this going to make him angry? And that was my own shit and I was bringing that shit from my past relationship as well and then that frustrated him and so it was just constant and I really think with the two of us at the end of the day and my parents said this to me as well, you know, it was like we were both seeing um, the colour green, I was seeing sage, he was seeing mint and we just could never freaking agree on it. 
And at the end of the day, it's just fucking green. Like get over it. But we just were constantly, we were constantly at each other. And my mum made a comment to me. She said, you know, he was really nice to you in front of other people, but when he thought nobody was listening, there was some like some some meanness. Mm. And his validation for that was like, well, people don't have to spend 24-7 with you. I beg to fag endeavor. <laughs> Can and have and will again. <laughs> <laughs> also, I was gonna say, no wonder your thing's sage. I mean, you can hardly open your eyes if slum 40 laps. <laughs> oh. So oh, thanks for being so brave and sharing, Katie. So you did just like drop a little word in there though. You were like, oh. There've been like there's other experiences that have happened. And there have been um, other experiences. So we will definitely be giving the people what they want. Giving the people what they want. In episodes to come. But before we well and truly put CC to bed, and I, I hope that we are at this point. Mm, put um, him in his super king. Oh, yeah. Well, I was just about to say that. I was about to say we need to know what happened to the super True. king. Katie, what happened? Oh, my loves, my loves. Well, I moved into a new house and there was a bit of a meltdown because I thought this effing super king is not going to fit in my room but it does. It just fits with not much room to spare. And I, um, it's the whole room. <laughs> it's the whole effing room. It's, I mean, look, it's a dream to sleep on. I sleep in about one quarter of it, maybe not mm. even that, like this tiny little bit of it and making it is like an Olympic sport. Mm. Um, <laughs> But it's a deep dream. It's a deep dream. It's a deep dreams match. It's from e-living actually, everyone. So there you go. Get yourself a super king. It's freaking huge. But I got I got custody of the super king. There you go. You're cleansed. You've told it all. I'm cleansed. And look, as I said, I'm sure CC would have many, you know, it's just my perspective and I'm sure he would have many things to say about me. But goddamn, start your own podcast. <laughs> Go for it. It's a free country. Go for it. So, yeah. It is our utmost pleasure to be about to introduce you to our Cock Blocked by Corona Season 2 singles. And guess what? Plot twist. One of them is the one and only Kate Foster, who (laughs) is officially back on the market. Oh, yeah. And ready to mingle at a COVID safe distance, maybe at a finger bag and picnic. (laughs) However, before we let you learn a little more about these glorious humans, whoa, Nelly, do we have some juicy goss for you? You will remember that last week we embarked on a social experiment to find a complete stranger on Hinge that would be willing to have us unblock their love life on air. Katie jumped onto this like a hungry kid on a smarty, like the brilliant, brave woman that she is, and got chatting to a man we will refer to as down a business. <laughs> I can't wait for this. <laughs> he initiated a quick FaceTime. He seemed lovely. And at the mention of the podcast and our single search, he was happy to jump on board. We were thrilled. What a great sport. We thought we were kicking goals, a total stranger and one that perhaps Katie could get a little tingle for. (laughs) Hannah and I were peaking until our trio chat lights up with this. Ladies, (laughs) ladies, you cannot 
right, the updates that I've got for you. So I'm just sitting here with Smash and she listened to the first episode and then I told her about our singles and I told her about the guy that I matched with and we had a FaceTime call <laughs> and Smash went white because Smash matched with him back in January and she had to end up blocking him because he, I've just seen the evidence, it's hilarious. He just started spamming her WhatsApp her Instagram, the 5.30am, but he just would send, like, videos videos of himself in the car singing. Or, like, what was that other one before? Where he, What was the first personalized one? Personalised cropped stickers. Like, personalised, like, cropped, like, meme stickers, like the Instagram of ones of himself. He would just send them through. Then he would send, like, videos of him in the car being, like, she ain't got nothing on you, got, got, got nothing on you. Or just, like him eating dinner and singing like they never met before they never went on a date but he just spammed her and she ended up blocking him and so now he's matched with me now i wonder if like he would have seen me on smash's socials and on 5 30 a.m club so i wonder if he doesn't have an inkling of who i am which weird but like i'm just pissing myself so, to catch you up, Katie and her housemate occasionally go to an early riser productivity group called the 5.30am Club. There's many around Australia and several in Melbourne. My baby boy Milo prefers 3.30am Club, 4am Club, 4.30am Club, the list goes on, but that's another story. Anyway, our group chat continued. I can't believe it. That is fucking good. I'm so sorry, Smashy, that this happened to you. That that message that says he's going to come at 5.30 and dunk you in the water? What is happening? Hey, shit, I cannot believe that. <laughs> let's get down, let's get down. That can be on the Spotify playlist. Ooh, girls. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, yes, Unbelievable. You can't write this. We did actually see screenshots of the messages and I must mm. say it's not just like him being funny and sending videos to someone he hasn't met and being silly or funny in the car. It's too much. Like it, it's it's too much and yeah. Katie's housemate was genuinely like scared, scared, wasn't she? And she explicitly said, please don't contact me again and he mm, continued to yeah. do so. She's, she's mm. scared. And look, I would be honest, she's she's was nervous about this even coming out because, oh, you know, I don't I don't think he could find this. We didn't get that far down the track before I blocked him. But, yeah, she's like, oh, my God, if he listens to it, is he going to come at me again? Like, oh. When you FaceTimed with him, Katie, did you sense any of those red flags on the call? Maybe he has learned his lesson since oh, then. I don't know. I think he's maybe adapting. No, there are a few little ones, like, because he was pretty bold about FaceTiming. He was like, he just called out of nowhere and I didn't answer. And then he was like, I'm going to call you. Um, and I was like, Poof, bold move, but okay. He's, look, here's the thing. The only thing wrong with that guy was the audacity, to be honest with you. Like we've all known one, just the audacity. Uh, you know, he even said things to me like on the call, you know, he's like, have you had any work done? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you know, have you had any like Botox or anything? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, show me your face in the light. Um, 
It's very personal. Who wants to do that? You know, that sort of stuff where he's like, you smile a lot. He's like, you know, or maybe you're just smiling because I'm on the other side of the call. Like it's the audacity of just like too much too soon. Yeah. He, however, wasn't as extreme as he was with her, but I, I don't think we got far enough down the road for that to come out. Um, but, yeah, there was yeah. definitely like this extreme confidence. A hundred percent. And... <laughs> Katie didn't actually mention it in that first voice note. She actually wrote it to us, which is what Lowell's referring to when she goes, let's get down to Brielsner's, is that one of the videos that he sent to Katie's housemate is of him performing that whilst having some dinner. Um, So, yeah, needless to say, he's not. Mm. All right, enough airtime given to this oddball. Let's get down to business and meet our singles. And who better to lead us in than down to business himself? This is a little treat from one of his many performances. Take it away, mate. this week was to fess up on their past dating history. Now, we all have a single bald fisherman hiding in our past. Am I right? You're right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely in mine. Thanks, Kim. Take it away to our lovers. Hi there. My name's Liv and my pronouns are she, her. Um. Okay. I'm going to try and record these things for you. Uh, this is interesting, terrifying. Who knows? We'll see what comes out of it. Um, Okay, introducing myself. Uh, My name is Liam and I use he, him pronouns. Hi, my name is Kate Foster and my pronouns are she, her. Okay, three words to describe my dating history. I would definitely have to say chaotic, messy and very entertaining. Now, I know that's two words, but you definitely need the very in there. Um, It certainly is a journey for everyone. I always have a story to tell. So strap in, folks. If I was to describe my dating history in three words, oh God, I would say uh, foreign, (laughs) uh, repetitive and uh, (laughs) unsuccessful, (laughs) which is... Uh, depressing but true. (laughs) My dating history in three words. Laugh out loud. Lol. Okay, best first date. Well, I've had many a tragic first date. Um, (laughs) More on that later. But uh, this was probably the best date that I had been on that, that I enjoyed in the moment as well as later when retelling the story (laughs) to my friends. I um, met this guy on Hinge. He was super lovely, uh, really cute, a lot younger than me, different interests, um, and was just like super keen. And that was obviously a turn off for me because I'm a monster. Anyway, I decided to give him a go. Uh, we met for a drink. I didn't think we'd have anything in common, but we chatted for hours. I mean, you know, several bottles of wine also help. Uh, he wanted to play pool. I was, mm, I don't do things like that, except I wanted to entertain him and keep the night going. So I danced on the pool table for him. He's welcome. These girls came over and thought that uh, we were the cutest couple they've ever seen. And they were absolutely shocked that I told them we just met that evening. Um, the photos are really cute. And, you know, fast forward the story just a little bit. Uh, 
his phone got stolen two days later. So I never actually saw the photos. I mean, I did in the night, but I couldn't even remember what his face looked like. Let's be honest. Anyway, I'm also a woman that likes to try before she buys. So naturally I went back to his. Now he lived in a share house and his room was like this weird attic sort of thing. There were these really narrow stairs leading up. There was about 20 of them up to his bedroom and uh, post insertion, uh, which was dynamic. I barely remember it, but I'm pretty sure I screamed. Um, I, uh, wanted to go to the bathroom because UTIs are the worst and you know she looks after herself so I he's like just be careful down the stairs I was like babes I can walk down the stairs and he was like okay you're a bit drunk anyway I missed the first step and I hit my booty on every single step on the way down to the floor. Um, it makes a massive thud and his housemates come running out uh, to find me at the bottom of the stairs with my legs completely open and I'm completely nude. So what a way to, you know, introduce myself to the, the housemates. And nobody said anything. Like nobody was laughing. Nobody, like they were all in shock. And I like look back up at him and he wasn't sure whether he should laugh or cry. And I was like, everyone, please laugh. Like it's 3 a.m. on a Wednesday. Like get it sis but we we please someone make this a bit easier for me anyway uh needless to say uh we actually kept dating we dated for like maybe a, a cute four five months uh, until I ghosted him my best ever first date uh it was it was this year I think actually it was really lovely uh I met a a guy for a Tinder date and we went to a park and it started out as a usual pretty awkward chit-chat. Uh, but somehow it ended up to be this amazing kind of like four-hour walk around the botanical gardens and um, we were crying with laughter and uh, just got along really well and had a lot of very quick in-jokes. And uh, it also ended in a good old makeout session in the park, which was a lovely finish to things. So it's not a bad first date, I'd say. My best ever first date would have to be when I went to, it was a recent first date. We went to the Lucky Cock on Chapel Street. We went on a Tuesday night for trivia and we ended up talking so much that we didn't play any trivia and they had to kick us out at the end of the night because we were the last ones there. We didn't even realise. We just were so engrossed in talking to each other. Biggest heartbreak. Okay, well, I feel like everybody at some point in their life has had their heart absolutely shattered by someone that they truly care about. But um, honestly... Um, I'm that bitch that breaks boys' hearts. And recently, in the last two years, I've really grown up and I've stopped ghosting people. So I think that the heartbreak is getting a little easier for them, maybe. Yeah. But also, I'd just like to add on, I find it funny, though, when I'm dating someone or seeing someone and I'm not at all interested and then all of a sudden something shifts and I'm like, oh, I'm interested and they are the ones that want to end it. And I'm just always gobsmacked by this because I didn't even like you to begin with. You know, I settled for you. The audacity to break up with me when I didn't even care for you, you know? Anyway. Anyway. 
Um, my biggest heartbreak, I guess, would have to be when things ended with my first boyfriend, which um, was one of those tough situations, I guess, not to go into too much detail, but uh, uh, it was kind of moving in different directions and different places in our life, so I kind of had to... Um, chose to call things off, which was pretty um, horrific at the time, but I think for the best in the end, I suppose, and we're still very close friends now, And but it's always, always horrible at the time. My biggest heartbreak. My biggest heartbreak would have to be New York narcissist, my ex-boyfriend from New York, who you all know about. And if you don't, go back to season one of C-Blocked and listen, my friends. If I had to describe my dating history using a movie title, I would probably say he's just not that into you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, but it feels like that sometimes. Uh no, okay, all right, look, I could joke and say things like there will be blood and, you know, many a horror film, but really... I actually think that, and this is not just my sexual, you know, dating history, but also my life in general, um, is Hustlers, starring Jennifer Lopez, obviously. Um, I feel like I hustle for D real hard, if you know what I mean. Um, And I either have a lot at once or none at all. Just like these Hustlers, they came from nothing and they had it all. If I was to use a movie title to describe my dating history at the moment, I would say Groundhog Day, which is, again, ugh, depressing, but it's true. I mean, if I have to tell people about my siblings and my job and my life and where I grew up one more time, I am going to throw a table through a window. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Groundhog Day. <laughs> describe my dating history with a movie title. My dating history with a movie title would have to be Mission Impossible, the entire fucking franchise. If I had to describe my last sexual encounter as an Uber Eats meal, I feel like it's that type of meal that, you know, that treat meal you've been waiting for all week, but... You know that you might feel a bit guilty, you know, if you're having too many chippies or something Um, and it looks good in the picture. The delivery fee is a little higher than you would have liked. Um, You wait a while for it to arrive. It finally comes. It's sort of cold, but uh, it's, uh, it's still tasty. Anyway, you eat it, you enjoy it. It's good in the moment. And then, you know, about five minutes later, you're starting to feel a bit ill Um, because maybe you ordered too many chippies um, and maybe the burger was a little bit greasier than you wanted and you definitely need a large glass of vodka to uh, swirl it down. And a week later, you still regret it. Okay, uh, describing my last sexual encounter as an Uber Eats order, I would have to say it was a late-night dessert that I had ordered once before and was pretty all right, but unfortunately this time just pretty lacklustre, which is uh, disappointing. Um, Yeah, oh dear. Describing my last sexual encounter as an Uber Eats order... Okay, so it's not that specific, but you know when you go on the app and you think, I'm going to try something new 
and it looks great. The pictures look fantastic and you order it and it comes and it's just not quite what you expected. It's a bit shit and really you should have just stuck with what you usually get because now you're disappointed. And was it worth it? Was it worth that $5 surcharge? No. Wow. So a massive warm welcome to our three singles, Liv, Liam and plot twist, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. They're all so different. They are. So different. Apart from you all have in common that um, your last sexual encounter as an Uber Meets meal was was disappointing. What a shame. We're all having some lackluster sex. But this is why why you need us to step out. To spice it up. Yeah, exactly. We need the help of the gals. Do you know what I find really interesting and one thing really stood out to me? And I I love this. I actually love it. Tell us. And I hope she doesn't take it the wrong way, but she's come for the truth bomb, so I'm going to give it to her. Go. My old mate Livy has some toxic dating habits. And this is interesting because I think often you know, and it's because I'm a, a female, of course, I hear all the toxic things that men do, but it's interesting to hear from the other side and identify that Liv's got some toxic dating habits like the ghosting after five months. Fuck me, that's harsh. That's mean. And breaking men's hearts. And I think that deep down in Liv there is a soft little muffin that just needs to come out, but I think she's got some walls up and I think she's maybe holding on to some of those toxic dating habits to protect her own little heart. That's what stuck out to me mm. as well. I think it's definitely, it's, well, from, you know, hearing her, she she sounds so flamboyant and um, confident, but perhaps mm. there's some deep sort of layers there to, um, to come out in this process and maybe we can really get, into that and find her what she's really, really looking for, because it might be a defense mechanism. It might be, obviously, you know, she uses humor there as well um, to shield herself. But I think that there is, there's so much there, so much under the surface. Absolutely. So much there. I love this. I love that her best first date story was her (laughs) nude falling down a set of 20 stairs. I mean, it's only up from there. Best for her is obviously, you know, the most memorable, but maybe that is her dating history, like very full of misadventure and chaos. Yeah. So I hope we can scratch the surface a little bit and find you a perfect match. Yeah. Peel back some of those protective Mm. layers. I love Hustlers as the film. That was hilarious. (laughs) I love that she says she hustles for the D. I think that's... That's admirable, you know. That's effort. Totally. Get it, girl. Lovely, Liam. How beautiful. We were just all holding our hearts on the video when we were listening. I just want to help you find someone really gorgeous. He has a beautiful demeanour. He sounds like a man after my own heart. He seems Mm. like a bit of a romantic. So I have a soft spot for Liam already. I'm so excited to find someone out there for him. Absolutely. Yeah, and that third single just sounded like a fucked. <laughs> <laughs> She's beyond help. Kick her off. She's done. We can't help pack her. Up, bitch. Get some cats oh and gosh. your pet goats and pack it up because you ain't got nothing. <laughs> oh, that was so lovely. I loved hearing everybody's words too. It was quite a mix. Mm, I love that. I love We've got some diversity there. 
Mm. We've got quite a mix. When you said your dating life was laugh out loud, Katie, I thought, oh, she's just dated me for 13 years. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the lie? Pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, that was so nice. We've got a little bit of background on our new singles and we will start to delve a bit deeper sort of next week and look, find out what they're looking for so we can help. Because, you know, I mean, we sort of had like some success with Kate and then it's like not so (laughs) successful. So we were like ready to, you know, we'll get a trifecta this season. It's going to be really good. Absolutely. Our track record isn't great, but we're we're back on the horse. We're, you know, well nearly. <laughs> we're back into it. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to see how this season unfolds. And um, can we just say thank you to our three singles mm. for being so honest and vulnerable and trusting us with the reins of your dating lives? Absolutely. Thank you. Hold on to your hats and your hair ties. News flash me. News flash me. COVID dating news. An article from The Guardian explores the serendipity and agony of dating your neighbour. Becoming romantically entangled with a neighbour is a high risk, but potentially high reward gambit. Get it right and you could have a marriage of love and convenience. Get it wrong and every coffee run comes with the possibility of an uneasy encounter. One woman told me that at a former address, she had slept with two people on her street and another a block away, forcing her to dress up every time she had to go to the supermarket. Another matched with a man on Tinder who told her on their date she looked familiar. He turned out to be the driver on the bus route she took to work every morning. When things did not pan out, she started taking the train. Multiple friends have regaled me with horror stories about having flings with men in their neighbourhood only to spot them at local hunts. (laughs) (laughs) A local hunting ground. Yeah, it's a local hunt because we live in the (laughs) fucking medieval times. Okay, beg your pardon. (laughs) (laughs) Multiple friends have regaled me with horror stories about having flings with men in their neighbourhood only to spot them at local haunts later (laughs) with other women. At the start of Sydney's latest lockdown, Alex, not his real name, went with his housemates to play basketball at the courts around the corner from their house. In the middle of the game, their ball went flying over a wall and into the neighbouring garden, sparking a tense confrontation. All we heard was someone screaming, who did that? And this man appeared from an upstairs balcony. I politely asked for our basketball back and he said, no, Alex says. A protracted yelling match ensued. Eventually he came out and met us. He said he wasn't comfortable picking the ball up because of coronavirus and that he thought we threw it over his fence deliberately. After a long discussion, he called the police on us. Alex thought that would be the end of it. Later that day, he opened Grindr, the gay dating app that shows you a grid of the users geographically closest to you. I noticed that this person who obviously lived on my street showed up on the grid and I was like, this is the motherfucker that has my basketball, Alex says, according to Grinder, The man lived 135 metres away from him. A couple of days later, he messaged me and asked if I was the person that lost their basketball and if I wanted to come over to collect it. I declined the invitation and asked him to donate the ball to somewhere that might find use for it. Has Alex seen the basketball man since? Every fucking day, he says. The other day I was getting a coffee and he looked at me, then just quickly looked away. It is awkward. Oh my gosh. Lockdown singles bubble sparks a new relationship trend. Twent? Trent? <laughs> Trent. Anyone in lockdown who has chosen a friend with benefits for their singles bubble might find themselves facing a new issue, writes Yana Hocking for news.com.au. 
The singles bubble sparked joy for many individuals in lockdown who chose to partner up with a friend with benefits as opposed to just a mate. But there is a new trend arising and many have found themselves in situationships. A situationship is basically a romantic relationship that hasn't yet been defined. Unlike a friends with benefits scenario, there can be feelings involved in a situationship, but the terms and end goal of the relationship are unclear. So you catch up on weekends, watch movies, chat, drink wine, have a good time, then off you head the next morning. You may talk during the week, you may not, it's really up to you. And the best thing of all is there is no pressure. Now, all of this sounds magical, right? Well, it can be, as long as neither of you catch the feels. Yep, the problem with spending time with someone in that kind of scenario is that you run the risk of wanting more. At the end of the day, if you're going to be in any way, shape or form romantic with someone, no matter on what level, it's best to set expectations from the start. Who said your love life had to hit pause just because most of the country has? If you do find yourself in the singles bubble with someone you're likely to be spooning with at some point, just make sure your head and your heart are somewhat aligned. And from UK Tech News, London's Bear dating app picks up 500,000 in crowdfunding and exceeds the target by 172%. During the pandemic, when intimacy was limited since early 2020, a London-based dating app, Bear, stepped into the digital dating industry. It brings open-minded people together in a safe space, empowering users to explore and experiment without judgment or shame. CEO Alex Sargent said, Bear is for anybody who wants to feel comfortable and confident in their honest selves. Our values put honesty, sexual awareness and openness and positive experiences at the core of everything we do. There is a strong, genuine need for an app like Bear. We are determined to bring the dating industry into the modern era with us. The app lets users leave a voice note on matches, which allows them to talk each other into bed. Oh, hello. I love a voice note. A sliding blur bar where users can show off as little or as much as they want. And a community that focuses entirely on the value of sexual openness and awareness to feel more confident in yourself. Bear is unique in its approach, offering pioneering ID verification technology on sign up that ensures catfishing is a thing of the past. The app aims to storm the industry by giving users a safe space to casually date and encourage them to go beyond finding the one. Interesting. And another app bites the dust, guillotine buttholes. Thank you so much for your company this week. You give us life in lockdown. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your ear candy. And if you're feeling generous, we would froth a little subscribe and a cheeky review. Five stars, please. We would love, love, love to read your comments, questions, and tales via Instagram DMs at cblockedpodcast or our email cblockedpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, you can always email us a tantalizing voice memo of your latest dating adventures. We are so here for it. You have been listening to Lauren McKenna, Hannah Fredrickson, and Kate Foster, featuring our brave and beautiful second season singles. Our producer is my spectacular husband, Bleep It Out Carl, at Tech Tech Boom, and this week is brought to you by Period Resilience, Super King Beds, and Getting Down to Business. Stay sexy, stay safe, get vaxxed, wash your hands, protect your fruits, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.